Hi, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Glossy Podcast, recorded live at last week's Glossy Plus member-exclusive event, celebrating our third Glossy 50. The annual Glossy 50 list recognizes the insiders pushing the fashion and beauty industries forward. So for the podcast, we featured two industry leaders who have been pioneers in an area that saw great progress in 2019, size inclusivity. I spoke to Patrick Herning, founder and CEO of Eleven Honoré, and Tanya Taylor, founder and creative director of her namesake fashion line, about how they've led change and why fashion's been so slow to embrace sizes beyond 10. That's up next. So welcome, everybody. We haven't done a live podcast in quite a while, but definitely special occasion, special evening. We have some amazing guests in the house. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I'll, I'll do a little intro. You guys can say a little bit about yourself. Um, next to me is Tanya Taylor. So hey, Tanya, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And hey, Patrick. Hello. Patrick Herning, Behind 11 Honoré. Started in 2017, right? Yes. Yes. And August. Tanya, 2012? Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, what never. Um, no, so 2017. I feel like that was a significant year. Is that the time? About the time was Tanya an original uh, partner for Eleven Honoré? Yeah, ta- we stocked Tanya. I mean, Tanya was very much um, on our target list. Yes. And I don't know if it was launch, but if it wasn't launch, it was shortly after yeah. launch. Yeah, talk a little bit about Eleven Honoré, your concept, for those who don't know. Um, extended sizes, maybe, is it beyond a 10, beyond a 12? So the core is 12 to 24. Yep. Uh, for the first time, bringing straight size designers who historically have never designed for the plus customer into this category. So working with them hand in hand, whether it be providing fit models, um, proprietary fit guidelines, customer data, sell-through data, all the things typical retailers do, but we just take it a step further to ensure that the brand is getting what they need to enter into this category successfully, because that's the most important thing. And I think Tanya is a perfect example. We've done this before. Um, Tanya is a perfect <laughs> example because it started small and now it's growing. And what we tell brands is it's not about replicating your entire fall 20 collection where every piece is offered up to a 24. It's about launching with the right style and the right fit. And we use DVF as an example. Uh, we just launched with them and we had 98% sell through within 30 days and like in retail speak, that's really impressive. And so it's when we find the right style, the right pl- price, regardless, contemporary luxury, doesn't matter, same success with Dolce, we see massive success. And so how Tanya did it is really sort of the case study that we always reference at 11 on Array. Yes. So Tanya, what was happening for, between 2012 and 2017? Was this just, it seemed too... Uh, costly, too much of a project to tackle yourself, or why why wait till then or till Patrick came along? So when I started the company, I started with one employee, and I think it was a very different time in 2012, 2000 to 2015, where we were moving really quickly, and with a small team, we were really reliant on a retailer telling us what they wanted versus us maybe having time to step back and say, what do we want to be and who do we want to dress? And it wasn't until um, 2016 that we really had that moment where um, A.D. Bryant from SNL, she reached out and she had to um, wear something for an event, and she came into our office and she said, 
she kind of shared a story about how when she gets dressed to perform on SNL, her rack has four options, and then there's other actresses that you know are a different size, and they have a ton of amazing options that give them so much confidence and make them feel wonderful. And I really um, resonated with that story, and I think we're the same age. We love joyful fashion. We love color. She's like, we love emojis. And I... <laughs> couldn't offer her anything. And so I wanted to change that. I think within the market, there wasn't any really options for her as well. Um, so that's how we started. We, Within that year, we launched with Prefall 2017 was our first collection where we had extended sizing up to a size 22. And um, it was a really, it was the right time to do it. It was right when you and started. And we started in 2016. I ideated this the summer of 16. And so when we went to market for fall 17, that's when Michael Kors had sent Asher Graham down the runway. Prabhul had his I Am Feminist tea moment. A conversation was starting. And then that March, Anna put Ashley Graham on the cover of US Vogue with Kendall and Gigi. And, you know, there were, it was like you paying attention. And we were able to really, I say this all the time, pull the wave, not ride the wave, because we were already planning and building a business seven months before we went to market, obviously. So, you know, it, it really was about being right place, right time, for sure. And then that first initial list, which was, you know, Michael Kors and Prabhu and Christian Siriano, it was just a time where people were open to dressing her in a way that they just weren't back in 2012. And the thing that's so exciting about this is it's taken so long to get here, but then what's happening, even though there's so much more work to do, it is happening very quickly. It is, because we talked about between the time that you launched with 12 brands, and that was a struggle to get those 12 brands on board, to now where it's almost become uh, expected of brands to at least have some offering, I guess. Um, can you talk about the, the kind of shift in the attitude as you approach brands or as you, are they coming to you now? There's a combination of they're coming to us and we're going to them. I mean, I think that's always going to be the case. I mean, at the end of the day, if you think of how many brands Net-A-Porter carries versus how many brands we carry, I mean, there's a lot of work we need to do. But we're much more, um, I am much more resolved in sort of my conversation approach, which is you have to be doing this. You can't not be doing this. Why aren't you doing it? Like, what is it? Is it production? Okay, we're going to start with one style. Is it uh, whatever it is? Because you can no longer say, oh, this just isn't for us. Like that isn't an acceptable answer. And though we've made massive traction in the US, um, you know, Europe's different. And, you know, we had a great meeting today with Ghani and that is in a brand we're super excited about, but you know, it, it's still a conversation, right? And I think when brands are based not here and we just came back from a massive event in London, it's, it, it's, it's, I'd say, three years behind where we are today. I mean, Tanya really is a pioneer in that, you know, in 2012, no one was thinking about it. 2016, people were starting to think about it, but we're kind of like 2016 land across yeah. the pond. I'll be damned if it's Ghani and not Ghani. I've been saying it wrong forever. Um, but that's such Well, I asked that today because I had a meeting today and it's like, it's officially Ghani. <laughs> But like, I is that affected? Like, <laughs> is that affected? So I, I asked them. They so I don't know. Yeah. So a brand like that, um, I think you were saying there. Um, we've talked about they're only going um, offering through you, maybe a, to a fourteen, to a sixteen, to eighteen. Like, how long will it take to maybe get them <laughs> up to speed in terms of what you want to offer? Well, it's really interesting. It was a massive takeaway for us. So we had. Um, I don't want to call it a roundtable, but. 
we assembled a group of people very close to 11 Monterey. And it was really an opportunity to listen, right? Sort of the anti-panel. And the conversation was, okay, what can we do better? We are leading our category as a retailer. Uh, we have this incredible partnership with Nordstrom. Like, what can we be doing better? And the one call out from this very esteemed group of women uh, was, you really fucked up with Ganny. And we made noise about Ganny, and Ganny stopped at a 14. And we really disappointed our customer, and a huge advocate and friend of both of ours, Nicolette Mason, you know, sort of led this conversation for us. And I went in today to Ganny and was like, look, we can't disappoint our customer like this. So until you get to, at a very minimum, our number one selling size, which is a US 20, we can't do this. Like, we can't be a destination of inclusivity and then leave this customer who's been marginalized further out of the party, right? And so that's the role I play. You know, I'm still evangelizing for her very much. Yes. Definitely. Let's circle back to Tanya really quick because right now, I'm not sure if you're offering exclusives through 11 on Array or what the breakdown is between uh, your sales channels, but I do know um, you've recently had a, a tweak to your e-commerce site where you're showing every every style on both. I don't know if I think it's like a word that everyone hates, straight size model and um, uh, maybe a plus size. Two different models side by side wearing the same look um, just to show, you know, we're offering clothes for, for more sizes. Um, talk to me about that shift and also, again, the breakdown of your sales channel. Yeah, so when we started, um, we started mainly with 11 on Array and our e-commerce site. And we have since in the last three years had every retailer pick up our extended sizing, um, which is incredible. And it's taken a lot of work. I think Nordstrom was first on board and they are so supportive and every style they buy, they buy up to a size 22. And then other major retailers, we've really had to show them the data of what sells through our channels to convince them that there's a customer that would love our brand at different sizing, and then call them and make sure it's on the right mannequins and make sure that there's re the right representation in marketing and on their website so that it really feels like an inclusive experience. And to your point, that marginalized customer doesn't ever worry that they may be marginalized with our brand. So they can walk in, they can really understand the you know beauty of what they're buying, the reasoning behind that price point that maybe they haven't had access to before. Um, so yeah, on our site, we just want it to feel like incredibly inclusive behind each style. So within the same carousel, you can see different body types. I think it's really important for us to grow as a brand to be able to shoot on not just a size four and a size 18, but also a size 10, a size 22, a size zero. Like there's a whole range of women that really want to see themselves in the clothes that we're offering them and they haven't been able to. So uh, the department stores and retailers that are picking up your brand, are they putting uh, extended sizes into a different separate department? Or I know, are they all like Nordstrom attempting to kind of lose that plus size department? Yeah, we were very clear with them that that wasn't appropriate. And we really wanted the experience of like two girls the same age who want to go shopping together to not have to separate. That felt so archaic. And um, we actually had like funny jokes within our team of creating videos of girls on escalators going to like different floors that are trying to have fun <laughs> together. It's like, why would you do that? So um, <laughs> everything's on a, everything is represented. And we really try to push for it not to be hidden in the back of the stock room when it is extended sizing. Like, have it on our rack and make sure that it's really clear that that's something that we stand for. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that uh, when I talked to you, Patrick, about uh, this Glossy 50 feature, you're like, we don't plan to 
extend our size range to zero to 12, I feel like you're changing the conversation in that you're creating this amazing, special, awesome experience, and it's just for extended sizing. Talk a little bit about that. Well, before, I want to just like pause here because Tanya is sort of just very matter-of-factly explaining this, but <laughs> it, it truly has been sort of a beacon of like the right thing to do. And we did a segment on Cheddar and Tanya said, well, I just figured it out. And so brands that sort of ham and haw about it, I, I constantly reference you. So you really have played a huge part in this for the community. So we're really, really thankful. Like, Thank you. Really, really well, thankful. you have too. You've been an incredible leader in retail. So I forget the question. What was the question? <laughs> Why no zero to 12? Look, I mean, lots of reasons. But more importantly, it's like we are building our business in partnership with this customer. And I'm incredibly loyal. I'm incredibly dedicated. I'm incredibly passionate about her. So to then go and shift the conversation to then open it up to a size run where there's thousands and thousands and thousands of options. First and foremost, I would never do that to our customer because my allegiance to her. But more importantly, or not necessarily more importantly, but in addition to, it's not a it's not good business. You know, I'm not I'm not interested in that customer. Totally. I also think the community you built is so special that you had a party during New York Fashion Week and I get to go to lots of great parties and they're not always so fun. And I feel like the one you had on the rooftop of the Gramercy Park Hotel to launch the Good American Collaboration had this like energy and this joy and this happiness for people to be in a community and everybody was having fun. And it was a very different feeling for um, a retailer to have that presence and be able to kind of collectively bring people together. And I attribute that to brand, right? Our brand, our community, our message, our values, our ethos, our true north is so clear. And my background's brand. I live and die by brand. Brand is everything to me. And by default, that's customer, right? Brand is customer. And so, you know, creating this very special community of these incredible, beautiful, powerful, brilliant women, like, that's special. And, like, this is for her. Let's take a quick break. Can we talk a little bit, circle back to Fashion Week? Uh, you guys both have a presence. Uh, Patrick, you had a major moment in February. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, and Tanya, you, you've been doing presentations. Again, it's not like, I feel like for a while there, brands like had a token plus size model. And we're diverse. Look at that. So can you tell me about your approach? Yeah. So yours was really exciting. I'll let you finish the answer because it was, it was, it was wonderful. But, um, for us, we have, yeah, we've done presentations. We have, you know, um, played around with like what New York Fashion Week means to us. But I think what matters the most for our brand is that we're showing the diversity of women that wear us and that it feels like there is not a difference between models and audience. So when we cast for our most recent show, we had 28 models that aged, uh, the range of ages were 18 to 75, which was amazing, um, size zero through 22. But a lot of girls that were like size eight, 10, 12, like really interesting, beautiful women. And um, I think that it had a very different feeling to it. I think that we had an incredible reaction and it felt better for our team and our brand and it just, it had like a heartfelt kind of connection to what we're doing and who actually wears us. Yeah, and being part of it, it's part of, of being the, in the fashion community. Do you see a spike in sales? Do you do you see now, by now? What, what's the effect of Fashion Week? 
Um, Fashion Week for us is to create buzz around the creativity of what we've, you know, built for that season. I think that we see a better opportunity to connect to our customer during that time because I think they're still very confused as to what you're doing in Fashion Week and why they can't buy it. Um, (laughs) Fair enough. So we're definitely reinventing that each time and we have some exciting ideas coming up. But yeah, I think that it's changed drastically. Like I remember when I started, it was... No one was questioning what Fashion Week was, and it just felt like the same standard thing. And I'm really excited by what people are doing now. Yeah. Oh my god. And Patrick. And what Patrick did. Patrick. Well, it for was us, like, I, I mean, it was it was it was, a, a it was a major aha moment. And you know, for us, it's about representation. And you know, you have to you have to lead by example. And I think for this industry which is so creative and so visually driven, to see it in front of them en masse, 35 women, designer clothes, gorgeous set, Dazan produced it, Laverne Cox closed it, best DJ. Like, it was just, it, was, it wasn't a plus version or not a plus version, it was the version, right? Yeah. And again, to have representation at that level, this super luxe experience and showing the industry what this really is broke a lot of barriers for us in terms of visibility. And then for the customer to participate in it, and I've referenced this before, so if I'm repeating myself to you, I apologize, but Matt Powers, Candice Hafine's husband who opened the show, said this was an amazing show, but that runway was 10 years of hard work. And in the audience, we had Tess Holliday, we had Gabby Gregg, we had Nicolette Mason, we had Denise Bedeau, we had the original sort of body pause plus influencers, and that was really for them, right? To be celebrating this moment that everybody paved the way for 11 Honoré's success. Yep, amazing. Let's talk about the breakdown. What portion of your sales right now? Obviously, Patrick, all. But um, Tanya, is this taking off? Is it maybe? A, is it a large percentage? It's growing hugely. So we um, we produce probably over seventy percent of our styles in extended sizing, and it's growing. Like it was fifty percent a year ago. We want it to be a hundred percent going forward, but we're still small, and we're kind of learning with you know, partnering with retailers and being able to do that. Um, but it's accounting probably up to 30% of our business now. Nice. In a very short amount of time. Very short amount of time. Like we hired... Again, a, my, always my case study. Yeah. <laughs> we hired a president of the company six months ago and she had actually never worked for a brand that had extended sizing. So it's been a really um, quick learning curve for her. And she's just like blown away by the opportunity and the different kinds of conversations you can have with retailers and with customers when you have that point of differentiation that shows you care about something. Yeah. How are you calling attention to the extended size range? Because uh, we just had uh, Jennifer from Florida Mall on and she was saying like, I didn't want to like say, we have extended sizing now. And her thing was to launch a collaboration with Precious Lee, who she bet through Patrick, um, because she's also a partner brand. um, And, you know, just she's a plus size model and she's wearing an extended size that Florida Mall normally didn't carry. And that was just kind of her launch into the market, I guess, in a way. Um, How are you messaging it? We we message it kind of inclusively in all of our marketing. So like on social media, we show a lot of inclusivity in our fashion week, obviously. I think when we're showing it in marketing, we don't call it out. Like it's just one of another great woman that's wearing us. And, you know, we have celebrities that are wearing us that are 
um, different sizes. I think when it comes to e-com, we tested whether or not we should separate the search function behind extended sizing and straight sizing. And we found that actually it was nice to cross-pollinate and kind of have that ability for somebody who maybe doesn't know they could buy advanced contemporary or come to our brand and find like really happy, fun fashion, that there was an area that it was very clear, all these styles are for you. And that was something that we weren't sure if we should call out. And it's actually become really a positive thing. Um, and then we also, within the straight sizes, in a carousel show that all those you know, it goes up to a 22 as well. So it's like nice to kind of double expose. Yeah. Well, and you're also just making it, you're simplifying it for the consumer. Yeah. You know, people are busy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of brands use the, the excuse, I guess, uh, they're not doing extended sizing because of the cost of more, more samples, more patterns, more fit models. Um, what's been your experience, I guess, maybe the, I don't know, sales outweighing the cost or what, what's been going on? Sales definitely have outweighed the cost after two years. I think that it... There is not, um, there's not a financial reason to not do it. There has to be a commitment from a founder, a commitment to from upper management who just believe in it, and then you make it happen. We have a fit model who is a size 18. We absolutely do double fittings on all of our styles. We hired a great tech designer who had experience with um, fitting for extended sizing, and we learned along the way. But if our team could do it when we were like 11 employees, there's no brand that can't do it. And I think that we, with 30% of our sales, have absolutely outshone any of those kind of initial financial investment that we made. Yes. And I think you nailed it. It's about commitment, right? You really have to lean in. And if you're not ready to, work with us. Let us help you get prepared. Let's identify fit models. You can leverage our team. But when you're ready, you really have to commit to it because it is additional expense. We can't, we would never say otherwise. But once you lean in and you give it several seasons, you start seeing the success of it. It's like, oh, but you have to commit to it. You can't just say, oh, we did these styles. They didn't work. Throw your hands up and walk yeah. away. Can you talk about the importance for you, Patrick, of exclusives and how uh, crucial that's been to to your growth so far? I know. Do I have do I have it right where your partnerships? Um, a lot of the times, you you will help with uh, getting this in place with the fit models, with the with the samples, um, and that's part of the deal. Yeah, we've doubled down on it when we launched. Like everybody, we're small, and we had consultants, and they were helping, and they were great. We've now been able to hire that um, skill set in house, so we can provide the fit tech solutions that these brands need, tech packs, whatever it is, um, we now have that in-house, which is fantastic. Um, and in terms of exclusivities, look, I think by default, a majority of our brands are exclusive because they're not selling anywhere else. But I'm a firm believer that all boats, boats rise with a rising tide. And so we will all be better if more people are doing it. And I think the Nordstrom, not only the capital investments has a lot, but the commercial partnership that we're rolling out next year, you know, this is 70% of the U.S. female population. Like, it can't all just reside in 11 on array. And so defensibility is super important to the business, and we absolutely have that. Like, if Tanya Taylor is selling at a Nordstrom in Seattle, and it's also sold on 11 on array, I think we can all be successful. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's great to have exclusives. Like we all, you look at Net-A-Porter, look at Moda, everybody loves an exclusive and 85% of our brands are exclusive. Yeah. So we got that covered. So the brands that are really committing to this, it's like the more the merrier. Yep, awesome. 
I feel that way too. I think when brands um, ask us for advice on how to do it, it's like the, I want to share. I want to share what the costs were. I want to share how we did it, what the steps were, what we learned, because the more the merrier. Like I think there's not enough options for the customer and it's really nice to have kind of build that out by being kind of collaborative and creating a more you know participative community. And look, when we launched, it was very designer, very luxury. And your minimums are smaller, right? Because it's more expensive. But when you get into contemporary opening designer price points, I mean, minimums are in the hundreds per style. And so when you're a startup and you're lean and nobody likes to be saddled with too much inventory and we're just getting to know the customer, we're getting to know fit with these brands. And so now we're able to move much faster but when you can share that depth with other partners, everybody wins. Yeah. When we talk to brands about sustainability, they kind of say, uh, at this point, if you have a way that's working that is more sustainable and you don't share it with other brands, you're kind of an ass. Like, are you guys, is there a community? Are you talking with other brands? What's happening right now? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that stands out is I think Danielle Prescott posted this um, post on Instagram a couple months ago and she's like, I'm an editor who goes to shows and a lot of the time they don't even have anyone my size in the show. And I just, you know, it's starting to feel discouraging. And we jumped right on that and we were like, because a lot of other people in the industry were commenting, but not a lot of brands, like a lot of brands weren't stepping up to say, we want to solve that. And it kind of felt silent to what the solution would be from a brand perspective. So we jumped in and kind of gave our 10 rules of how we started. And we're definitely sharing that. We've had conversations with the CFDA and a lot of other people come to us. Like I'd say that's the number one reason we do interviews and we are, you know, have meetings in the office is to really share with people how to maybe start it themselves or um, what we've done to prove that there's an amazing customer who's beautiful and really worth listening to. Yeah. Are they teaching this in schools? Like, is this? I think that's I think sort more. of the next. I mean, when we yeah. think about sort of long term uh, philanthropic endeavors once we're profitable and those important things happen first. Education, I think, is really important because if they're not teaching it at SCAD and they're not teaching it at Parsons and they're not teaching it, you know, where these future designers are studying, then we've got a fundamental problem. And so if everybody's ad hocing at post-graduation, like what you did, there's a way to streamline this because it is, this isn't, you know, this isn't a trend that, you know, I've said this a million times, it's a movement, not a moment. And like if you don't have a plus strategy, it's like you don't have a sustainability strategy or you don't have an econ. Like you have to have a strategy around this. And, you know, and I tell brands all the time, it's like, great. You know what? You want to pause. You want to wait. This isn't the right time. I'm going to like be here with open arms when you're ready because you will be back. Yep. Like there is not a brand that said, no, that hasn't come back. Right on. Running low on time, where do you go from here? You, obviously, Tanya, you said the goal, 100% of styles, um, is next. Um, any other goals for the, the next couple of years in terms of plus size? I think just keep pushing marketing to show that there is such a diversity of women that um, can wear the same styles. That I think the best thing we've learned from starting this is how there isn't a difference. Like our fit model is in her 20s. She wants a short, hot pink dress. She wants to show skin. She feels more confident than honestly our size four fit model. And I want to show more of that. So I think kind of embracing that um, confidence that exists in the customer. And Patrick, more more size uh, styles, a style range for more women. Uh, talked a little bit about private label, if you want to talk about no, that. No, private label is happening next year, which is super exciting. And I think for us, we always want to be 
uh, always a platform of discovery, but also a very curated, edited destination for her. We want to do the heavy lifting. We're never going to sell 300 black blazers. We will sell 20 great black blazers. And so I always use that as the example. I don't even know if blazers are in. Probably not. But okay. Uh, so blazers are in. Good. I won't get in trouble. Um, <laughs> But I think it's more about expanding the brand partners we have, really supporting them, you know, with bigger buys, you know, in, improving on depth of orders and going out like Ganny, right? Really focusing on the brands that she's asking for because like we've seen with Tanya Taylor, when we get her what she wants, it's like an incredible business. Yeah, you're kind of seeing it all and seeing what's out there. With your private label, what are you seeing that's missing from the market? What will you be filling in? Private label for us is, the strategy is to not cannibalize existing brand partners, right? So um, it is going to sit below, right? Um, kind of where you have to start to play meaningfully on the site. Um, I've been cautioned not to use this word. So it's, it's elevated essentials, right, that you buy into with consistency and depth and you always want multiples of not the word basic say, because this will not, basic? this I is mean, not, no, but like, basic, here's a perfect example. Kitchen. The row, would anybody call the row basic? No, but that's like very classic dressing. And so for us, like the inspiration is the row, right? Where that is far from basic, but it is a sophisticated classic that you want multiple colors, multiple styles. Is so the that row is doing extended sizing. No, but come on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ashley. <laughs> it lends itself nicely to it. Yeah, that would be great. What a great conversation. Let's give Antonia and Patrick a hand. Thank you. That does it for this bonus episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming on Wednesday. We'll see you then.